So as we move into the greater yet to be this morning, I invite you to join me as we sing this song. But also, let's begin our practice here. Because it's one thing to hear the words, it's another thing to become that, that temple, that container, where something dynamic and powerful is happening. And so I invite you in this moment, if you feel called to, Ground your, ground your energy, planting both feet on the floor. And when we do this, we give and receive it a, a more gracious, open and receptive and generous capacity. So legs uncrossed, arms uncrossed. Opening ourselves, if you feel so inclined and comfortable to tap your chest over your heart three times. And in that tap, In your mind's eye, imagine that heart opening, that heart center, that divine intelligence opening, expanding, as we are about to sing about love in this room, about the greatest thing this song just informed us is to love and be loved in return, the reciprocity of love. This is not our opportunity tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or when we finish the course or when we find the right person or the right job. It is a present moment opportunity for expansion. And so I see my, in my mind's eye my heart expanding in a beautiful and wonderful way, relaxing. And now I move my awareness down to my, my second chakra, down a couple inches below my navel point where the intuition resides, activating the intuition, listening at that deep level today, not just to the words spoken, but listening to myself, listening to yourself and what is bubbling up for you. It is all for us. So heart activated, intuition activated. And then moving back up to the crown chakra, to the top of the head. If you're comfortable to tap the top of the head one time, gently. And in your mind's eye, activating that and opening that. And seeing this, this beautiful conversation going on between intuition, heart, and divine intelligence. Seeing in your mind's eye a flame burning. As in so many pictures sacred pictures, the aura, activating that divine spark that is burning brightly, blessing us, opening us to give and receive in this moment, not just from that higher wisdom self, but from source of all life that we are immersed in. Powerful practice. And so I stand with you in this moment. I move my energy now down, activated fully, communicating, flowing beautifully knowing that every cell in my body, your body, is functioning in the most exquisite and amazing ways. We are blessed with the beautiful wonder and mystery and power and presence of this intelligence that animates this physical form. And so calling into our awareness that everything necessary, wherever there is discord, pain, discomfort, whether it be in our minds, our hearts, or in our bodies, that light is flooding that area, light of love and that we are blessed in every good way this day with everything we need to realize and know for the dissolving of anything that is creating suffering within us. Moving that energy down through our feet, down into this beautiful earth sea, and imagine in your eye beautiful threads of beautiful silver cords wrapping ourselves, connecting us to this beautiful earth, grounded powerfully and beautifully. And so with that said, in preparing this physical form for prayer, for practice, this is our practice, knowing that this energy, this energetic of this builds in a powerful, beautiful way, blessing ourselves first and foremost. And as we build this energy, we will then 
bless the world as this song so articulates. So, once again, if you're comfortable singing with me, and if not, just allow yourself to bask in the, the energetic of what this song represents. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. And if they do not fit, let them wash over you. No need to in any way, shape, or form, manipulate anything, but accept what is right and perfect for you in this moment. What I affirm and know in the I am on behalf of each person here. Each person that comes to mind as we do this prayer, we bless them with, the, with the, this energetic of unconditional love and light and beauty. There is one power, there is one presence, there is one infinite source of all life. That life, that power, that presence, that love, beauty, I claim as my own in this moment and knowing that there is something amazing and powerful happening in that centering, knowing, coming back to the source of being. And so I welcome anything necessary for me to realize the words spoken this day, the consciousness upon the words, the music, the beautiful music and artistry that we have just witnessed. All of it an expression of the infinite. In the, the, the minutest corner of this universe is the same elements that create the explosions in the universe, the new planets, the new galaxies. And so we are that as well. And so I just know that our, our beingness and our capacity to embody the cosmic Christ, a greater yet to be, a new level of loving, of giving and receiving love is awaiting our awakening. And so I know this is a day of awakening in so many beautiful ways. We plant seeds this day known and unknown, knowing that there's a force for good that is working in and through and as each and every one of us. And all we need to do is say yes, to put down the resistance, the struggle, the addictions, the need for everything to line up the way we know it needs to be, but to say yes to life and celebrate all of it, that our success is already ordained. For this I give thanks, for the words, for the wisdom, for the clarity, for the love and the vibrancy that this, this building, this center contains enough love for the entire world. And as we build it this day through our breathing, through our awareness, we will conclude this day by blessing and sharing and expanding. So I'm grateful to know that we've initiated something powerful and beautiful, not just thoughts today, not just more ideas to fill our minds, but something that fills our hearts and informs our intuition, that direct communication with this divine source of all life that is always seeking greater expression. This is my knowing, this is my, my beautiful opportunity this day, and for this I give thanks in inviting you to say with me, and so it is. All righty, wow, what a beautiful music. Man, oh man, you just never know, huh? Yes, yes, yes. 
So we've been talking about uh, faith, planting seeds of faith, and I'm, 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 I think we got this figured out now. I'm going to slide my finger across this iPad, and we'll see if it uh, works. Oops. Can I go back? Well, I have faith that one day it will work. <laughs> we're, we're closer. We're closer. So I heard this great story because I think in the last week I talked about joy. And joy is different than pleasure. Joy is a way of being. There it is. See? It just it, it takes a little time. And we're going to talk about our addictions today. Uh, the universal addiction is to our own pattern of thinking by Father Richard Rohr. And I love his work. I was in his book, uh, Breathing Underwater, which is about the 12 steps, and he ties it into Scripture. He's an amazing guy, amazing thinker. I've often said if, if he were around when I was uh, a Catholic, I'd still be a Catholic because he's just such a, an amazing man of ta- talking about these, these more mature levels of spirituality. But I heard this great story. This couple goes to the... To the uh, uh, to the, the county or the provincial fair. And every year they go, the wife said, there's a helicopter ride. And the wife says, you know, I would love to go on that helicopter ride. This would be just wonderful. And the husband looks and he says, well, you know, honey, it's $50. $50 is a lot of money to go on a helicopter ride. And so she says, oh, okay, all right. So every year they come back and they stand in front of the opportunity for the helicopter ride. And she always says, you know, I'd love to do this one day. I'd just love to do this. And every year he says, oh, sweetheart, you know, $50 is just a lot of money. So finally, 25 years go by. And this fellow that does the helicopter rides recognizes the couple, recognizes the ritual that they walk up every year and they have this discussion and he doesn't know what's going on. He finally walks over and says, you know, I recognize you too. And he said, is there something I can help you with? And, and, and the wife says, well, you know, it's been my lifelong dream to go on a helicopter ride. Um, and, but, you know, we, my, my husband just feels like, you know, $50 is a lot of money. And he says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to take you for a helicopter ride free of charge. Because every year you've been back here, and I think it's worth it. And, you know, I just see this. I, I understand your longing, and shucks, let's, let's just do it. But he said, one condition, you cannot say a word. I don't want to hear anything when we're on the helicopter ride. Because it could get bumpy, and it could get wild, and whatever. But no, nothing. Can't say anything. And they said, okay, okay. So they get into the helicopter. The wife slides in next to the pilot. And the husband is sitting next to the outside on the other side, and they go up, and they go, it's just this wild ride. They go up and down and around, and every maneuver that you can make in a helicopter, they make. And they come back down, and the woman looks at the pilot and says, that was amazing. That was just remarkable. That was everything I dreamed for 25 years it would be. She said, you know, I almost said something when my husband fell out of the helicopter. (laughs) But $50 is a lot of money. So, our addictions, and it's nice to activate joy. So it's nice to lift it and understand that, that all is well. All is well. The universal addiction is our, our own patterns of thinking that uh, Reverend Richard Rohr writes about in, the, in the Breathing Underwater. And we all have them. You know, some of us have physical addictions, but we all, I, I have them. I, we all have them. We have our addictions to our own thinking pattern because that's why It's part of what we're given to work with. So surrender, it'll be coming up there. Surrender will always feel like dying. The power of surrender. Who wants to surrender? 
Not in the West. We don't surrender. We take charge. We take the next hill. We take the next human potential movement class. And we take responsibility for our life. So we move in a certain direction. We have goals. And, and, and we take responsibility for all of it. And we, but surrender is a huge part. And so I want to talk today a bit, a bit about this idea of surrender. There it is. See, that's just a little behind me. W.H. Auden said, we would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather be ruined than changed. It is our egoic nature. It is that, that meritocracy that I talked about, of counting and measuring and competition. We'd rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cr- cross the, of the precipice and, leave, and let our illusions die. It's just the way we're hardwired. So when we understand this, this is not a bad thing. This is just the human condition. If you look out in the world, what is going on out there? Well, there's a lot of people that are addicted to their way of being, their way of life. Our way is the right way. And we are at a point, we are at a critical point, I believe, in the evolution of our own consciousness and this planet that it's time for those addictions to our way of being as the only way and the right way to be dissolved. And so last week I talked about meritocracy versus grace. So that when we're on the spiritual path, when, when we're, we all start out, we all have this container that we start out in. It's that we have to, we have, to have some con- construct. And so we all have a construct to some capacity, some don't. And I'll talk about that in a little bit l- later, but most of us have a construct where we start. And so it gets constructed, the way we believe, the way things were taught, the things that are modeled for us as children with our, our core belief systems. And then to, to move into more mature spirituality, it has to be deconstructed. So the things that we hold precious, all of a sudden we start to take them apart and look at them, well, wait a minute, maybe, that's, maybe there's something else for me to know. Maybe I'll start to meditate. I remember when I started meditating when I was you know, raised Catholic, and oh my God, that you, it was like a mortal sin. We don't meditate, stop that. Stop that. And so, but the deacon, then, then it was the reconstruct. I just needed some peace of mind. I mean, I was stressed. And then all of a sudden, so it's the, it's the construct, the deconstruct, and the reconstruct. So the true self versus the false self. Letting go is not in anybody's program for happiness. That's why we don't do it. It's not joyful, letting go. And yet all mature spirituality is, in one sense or another, is about letting go and unlearning. What do I know? What is, what is limiting me? What is this idea that is mine? What am I addicted to that is limiting my experience of life? Beautiful, beautiful. It's working beautiful today. See, that's so the path. I want to talk about the path today. And this comes from Richard Rohr's work in, uh, uh, with the 12-step work in Breathing Underwater. And it's a beautiful poem about breathing underwater. Once, once we let go and surrender, all of a sudden we're under the, we're under the ocean or this, this, as I said a few weeks back, water represents spirituality. And so when this wave of spirituality comes over us, this greater yet to be, this greater experience, we don't drown. We don't suffocate. We breathe underwater. We're immersed in this ocean of the infinite. So first of all, we suffer to get well. Because suffering wakes us up. We don't suffer, we don't wake up. We suffer to get well. Powerlessness is where we start. And he's relating this, of course, to the 12-step program. But if anybody here is a 12-stepper, powerlessness is the first step. I am powerless over this. I can't do this anymore. We come to spirit by doing it wrong. We don't find, we don't find a deeper connection with spirit by doing it right. This whole idea of sin and, and that we should be punished for our sins and we've done it wrong and all this stuff. There's something wrong with us if we've done it wrong. No, there's something right with us if we've done it wrong because then we suffer. And it forces us eventually to put down that way of being so that we step into a greater relationship with spirit. So we come to spirit by doing it wrong. We will not even know there's a larger source until our own resources have failed us. 
I can't do this on my own. I was putting this talk together this morning, and I just had to, it was just like last week I had the five-star week. This week I've had the one-star week. I showed up, but I, I couldn't get to sleep. I'm like, come on, I got, a, I got things to do tomorrow. Well, what, and it's, and it's just, so finally I just said, okay, this is what it is. I'm going to love it. I'm gonna, but what I said in that point is, I can't do this. I do that every week. I can't do this. What am I going to share with all these amazing, intelligent, beautiful? I can't do this. So I have to put that down. But I stand there in the beauty and the grace to say, but, but guide me in this. Guide me and direct me in this so that there's something of value, so that we plant a seed today, so that something is shifted within myself, within you. If we move but one mind and that mind is our own, we've done it. We suffer to get well. The ego would sooner live in a win-lose world in which most lose than allow God any win-win victory. Grace is always a humiliation for the ego, it seems. So talking about meritocracy versus grace, the ego will always say, oh, that's not for us. We're hooped. But suffering wakes us up. We have intentions. We set a goal. We want to move in a certain direction, and it doesn't happen. And it cracks us open, and it breaks our heart. And there's an opportunity. We can either implode and, and use that as, as our identity, or we can, it, we can use it to understand that, that is the incentive for me to, for the greater yet to be. We, suffer, we surrender to win. All mature religions say you have to find a way to detach from that egoic mind, that egoic place of being, that, that, that place of, of comparison and competition. This, that all I want are the things that I enjoy, the things that hurt me. I don't want to let that, that egoic, because the ego just wants to survive. It is either attached or, re, or repelled. That's the, the, all, of the, all of the teachings have that in it. Our, the Buddhists talk about it. The Hindus talk about it. Paramahansa talked about it. The whole goal of this life, the whole possibility for this life is to step out of that, that uh, attachment with the senses. Last week I talked about the prodigal son. And, the, and, the, and the, the younger brother, it's the two brothers, and the one brother goes off, and he, what happens metaphysically, energetically, spiritually for the younger brother is both the brothers are born into this environment of wholeness and completion and, and wellness and, 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 and opportunity and spirituality and grace. And then one brother gets careless, and he says, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm bored with this, which is what we do, we get bored. Even when it's really, really great, we don't understand it's really, really great because we've never experienced anything else, and so he wanders off. And what he does, metaphorically, is he gets attached to different ideas and different people and different consciousness, which we all do. All of a sudden, somebody's over here, and all of a sudden, he realizes that the guy he's hanging out with is feeding the swine, which means, metaphysically, it means it's lower, lower ideas. Not bad ideas, just very limited ideas. And he does that for a while, and he does that for a while, and he realizes, this doesn't feed me. It's not that he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. It's not being fed spiritually. I need to move back to my source of life, back into the grace of, of this father, mother, God. That is what's being said in that, in that story metaphysically. And so he does that, which is the great story about you're, you are wonderful and you are always forgiven. Don't worry about it, but you've come back in. But in order for the forgiveness to happen, you've got to step back into that container, that consciousness that says, oh, love you unconditionally love you. But, but there's, for most of us, so much self-loathing going on, how can we possibly step into that? I don't deserve that. You know, I made so many mistakes. 
I did this wrong and I did that wrong and I failed here and I failed there, but if you hadn't failed, you wouldn't understand and have an appreciation like this guy to say, I gotta go back into something that nourishes me and feeds me. And then, of course, the other brother who represents, I said last week, we all become, the, religion has now become the, the older brother. I did everything right and you're doing everything wrong. That meritocracy. But at the other point, it says in there, he, can't, he refuses to go back. He gets so angry, being righteous and right, he won't go back into the house. He refuses to go back into the house, which is another metaphor for he re- refuses to step back into grace. See, to understand it and realize, you know, our, our, our let me use a, an old word, salvation is assured. We are unconditionally loved, but we fall asleep in this dream of attachment. So all mature religions say you have to find a way to detach from that. And that's through practice, that's through meditation or contemplation, which changes the software of the brain. But we can't do it through thinking. Transformation is changing the seer, and without reaching the true self, you will, you will always be afraid of freedom. Dr. Holmes said the, premise of, the number one premise of our teaching is freedom, that our inherent our divine nature is one of freedom. But if we don't feel good about ourselves, we don't trust ourselves, we don't feel like we deserve, how can we live in freedom? So we limit it. As Holmes said, the thing that that frees us binds us. It is absolutely essential we find a spirituality that reaches to the hidden levels. If not, then nothing really changes. See, Jesus always moved to the pain. If you've read anything about Jesus, he always moved to the pain. Wherever there was pain, he went there. He didn't say, man, let's go find another good time. I want to go there. I'm here for the big party. No, he went where the pain was because he knew that's where the the gold was. He always moved into the pain. Bill W., who who founded the 12-step program, number one, he said, we cannot be satisfied by simply overcoming this substance. You can't just, you don't get there just by stop drinking. Has anybody ever hung out with anybody that's in the 12-step program and all they've done is stop drinking? They will drive you crazy. They will drive you nuts. They're so miserable. They want, you feel like going out and drinking when you hang out with them. I was over here at the, the second cup one day talking to a friend of mine from the 12-step program. We're having a meeting, and, and one of his buddies was there. I've told this story before. One of his buddies was there, and he happened to introduce me as the minister of this center. And the guy starts circling us. He's circling our table. I've never seen anything like it before or since. He's circling our table, and he's looking at me. He's eyeballing me back and forth, back and forth. And, Can I help you? He said, do you teach the, the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over there? Are you teaching the true religion? And I said, yep. <laughs> and we went back to our conversation. But that's that first step of, you know, I'm not drinking anymore. God damn it. the dry drunk he said number two Bill W until you achieve emotional sobriety you're not really in recovery emotional sobriety this is the whole thing about the ego chatter 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 compare 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 look at that over there look at them over there oh they're wrong they're bad and wrong oh and those guys they're a mess on and on and on and it becomes an activity and it will fill our lives we have to find a way a practice where we don't have this roller coaster of emotions. And it's done through prayer, meaningful prayer, centering prayer, opening our bodies, our hearts, and, and, and the energetic of it. I mean, the, the, the Hindus have known this for years. The Buddhists know these powerful spiritual meditations that open up the, and, and, and purify. 
that are available to us, the richness of this that brings the purification to it so the emotions don't, aren't a roller coaster anymore. Achieve emotional sobriety is the second step. Stop the chemicals, achieve emotional sobriety. And the third one is until you've had a, a, a vital spiritual experience, it won't matter because transformation won't mean anything to you. A vital spiritual experience. Without the vital spiritual experience, the, the transformation does not have any depth. Until you experience, it leads you to the edge of your own resources. I can't do this. I can't do it alone. You have to surrender. So what do you have to surrender? You have to surrender this idea it's all or nothing. It's, life is black and white. Life's not black and white. We are all on this journey. And what's so important, I believe, is for all of us to, to take the responsibility and continue to do our own cleansing, our own work, bit by bit, day by day. And sometimes we feel like it does, it's not getting better. But it is. Remember I talked last week about the plateau? It's establishing that plateau of practice where we know that it's not these, these aha moments, but in fact we're on the plateau. It's being done unto us. Continue to do the work. What's your plateau? What are you for? This is for me. This is not what I'm for anymore. I used to do that all the time. I used to practice self-loathing all the time. How can I find another way to, to discount myself? If that's your practice, that's your practice. But you, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you're stuck there. It just means, wow. How can I unravel that? How can I find something different that will align me better and bring me back into this beautiful house? I want to go back into this beautiful home where this, this grace lives. We die to live. We must die. Our, the ego is always on the moral higher ground. We see it in the, in the broader scope. We see it uh, priests focusing on birth control and abortion. Men that have never been married, that have never raised a family. I'm not promoting it or saying one way or another, but it's how do you stand in this moral high ground when you've never had that experience? But with, with gay marriage, gay marriage, you have heterosexuals saying gay marriage is a, is a threat to society. Really? People love each other and want to be companions and it's a threat to society? God forbid you for loving one another because you don't fit what it's supposed to look like. Oh, come on. Man, oh man, I got into a conversation the other day with a young person that was really upset about this new ice district name. Went on and on about the ice district name. And I just thought, okay. You know, I'm just going to go downtown to a hockey game one of these days. I don't know, care what they call it. You know, but I mean, it, it, this moral high ground of what it should be called because it doesn't have this and this and this. In order to be this and this and this, it has to have more history. It has a, oh, whatever. Whew. Talk about the Maya. Just, okay. You got it. Liberals invested in political correctness while ignoring the suffering of the world. The Bible thumpers ignoring most of the Bible when it asks them to change. A, a nation of immigrants being anti-immigrant. You know, we see that in the United States, and I can talk about them because I'm a U.S. citizen as well as a Canadian citizen. Only powerlessness, only surrender can do the job correctly. Dissolving these addictions to righteousness and the way it's got to be. And if we try to change the ego with the help of the ego, we only have a better disguised ego. So the tool that we want to reach for, the ego, to dissolve the ego, can't get you there. It's through grace. It's through trust. It's through surrender. It's, it's, we die to live. So those ideas have to die. Those entrenched ideas. Without critical self-thinking, our lives become idolatry. And we see it happen with religions. If we don't have a capacity to have critical self-analysis with clarity and love about our lives, about our traditions, all of a sudden we start to worship ourselves, we start to worship our traditions. 
Joseph Campbell said that once, once a, a community or a tradition starts to uh, protect itself and worship itself, it's dead. There's not a this anymore. It takes, requires dualistic, clear thinking. So the spiritual practice is non-dual thinking. That's what the East brought to us. Is Everything is one. We're all connected. We're all one. Everything. We're all brothers and sisters at that energetic level. But that's a big, big idea to live from and to embody. And then we give it away to keep it. We give it away to keep it. First, we have to have that container. We have to have a container. Like Richard Rohr talks about that he worked for 15 years as a uh, prison chaplain. And he had these young men that he would work with. And every once in a while, one of them would go, Hey, Father, I found Jesus. And he'd say, Well, good for you. Because yeah. he said it's a head Jesus. It's a head faith. But, but, but a lot of these young men didn't have a container. There was so much abuse that went on in their lives. And everyone needs someone to say, you're wonderful. Don't, you got it now. You are forgiven. Look at the story of the prodigal son. You're forgiven. You got it going on. But many of people have been so abused and so put down and marginalized, they don't even have the container. And he said, in that kind of case, you have to really do the work. You have to really do your own, your own sense of... Your own sense of... Um, of finding a mentor. You have to find someone that can walk you into the, to establish a container if you never got that love. But 15 years, it, it, you know, I found Jesus at that level of thinking is not a very high level of consciousness. It's just religion in the head. We all need a container to feel good enough about ourselves to let go of ourselves. Isn't that amazing? To, to work and work and work, to want to feel good enough about ourselves. Why? So we can let go of ourselves. Why? Because there's a bigger idea happening here. You know, to believe in yourself. Boy, you're a good man. You're forgiven. You're home free. That's the first half of life. We need that. And then the second half of life, we, we have to get new eyes to see and hearts to open and minds to direct. Not, not be at the, the mercy of every thought that comes across our awareness. That's crazy. You know, my mind, my consciousness goes where I direct it, not where my emotions take me. That's a huge step in awareness, this critical self-analysis. Because once we understand what's wonderful about me, and we live from that, this wonder, this wonder and joy of life, creativity, opportunity, that I am, I am an individualized expression of the infinite in form. I have an opportunity to create a life. Once we understand all that, and we build that, we build that capacity, we have excess to then go out and say to other people, I have excess energy, and let me tell you something wonderful about you. You see, if we don't build that within ourselves, we don't have the capacity to lift one another up. We're just, it's the blind leading the blind. Let's get more of this. This will make us feel good. This'll, this will provide pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with stuff, but pleasure is not the answer. Joy is the answer. And when we build that capacity, we can share it to let other people know how wonderful they are. The true self versus the false self. The ego defines itself by its attachments and its revulsions. The ego always insists on moral high ground. The ego's concerns are too small and too selfish. The true self soul. The soul does not attach and nor does it hate. How do I know I'm in a state of grace? I don't have to feel like I got to attack and I'm not attached. It desires, the soul desires and loves and lets go. It's unconditional love. It's, it's duplicating the nature of spirit in our lives. The soul is a grace experience. 
Mature spirituality requires purgation, which is for the addict, is to stop the chemical. It is illumination, it is new ideas, new awarenesses, and then it is union. It is a journey. The practices, prayer and meditation. Observation, this, this afternoon, this week, notice places in your life where you're judging, where you have harsh judgments or you have criticisms about another. Because that's just the ego, that's just our, our, our meritocracy. But to bring awareness to it is powerful. Oh, maybe I don't have to do that. Clear critical thinking. Clear critical thinking. Not, not self-loathing, but wow, this is for me. This is not for me. This lifts me up. This doesn't lift me up. I'm not going to do that anymore. You see what happened with religion. If you look at the Jews, the Jews will tell, and I love the Jewish faith. Amazing, amazing scripture. The Jews decided they were the chosen people. What the Jews didn't get was once they understood and, and were stood in the fullness of being chosen, then they could go out and, and, and spread the joy with everyone that were all chosen. Everybody's chosen. It's not just one group, we're all chosen. But somehow they got locked under this idea, let us protect who we are rather than bless others with who they are. You see how that works? The Catholics, the Catholic faith, the same thing, we are the one true church. The one true church, rather than realize that, you know, that Jesus said you are the light of the world. The things I have done you shall do and even greater. Forget that, we got it knocked right here. You just keep coming here and supporting this because this is the way. When in fact it was to get it and to embody it and to share it. Early stage religion. Early stage religion is all about you. It's all about me. This is, I'm here because I feel safe about this. This is my way of being. Mature spiritual religion. What religion should do is grease our consciousness to live out of love in the second half of life person, as Richard Rohr would say. It's so beautiful. They sang that beautiful love song this morning. And then I wrote it, my last slide today was to teach and live from love. That is a huge, huge vision. How do you do that? Well, to do that, if you let that lift you up, you can't, you can't love. I can't love the way my soul calls me to love from the, the mindsets and the addictions I have about things to the fullest of that capacity. So that's a stretching and powerful and amazing to teach. How do you teach and live from love? Well, let's find the reasons why that we, we limited ourselves. You know, Martin Short, I love Martin Short. I read his biography this last year. And uh, such a funny, rich, and wonderful man. He was born in Hamilton. And he had a lot of tragedy in his life. But one of the things that he always used to say when people would ask him how he lived through it, and he said, well, I don't let that identify me. But he said, what I know is I'm loved at home. I'm loved at home. Which allowed him, that foundation of being loved at home, allowed him to bless us with joy and laughter and creativity and opportunity. But the truth is, we're all loved at home. All of us. It's just being able to put down the addictions, opening ourselves up and reconstructing so that we can move back into that house where we're all loved at home. Blessings.